0: Wherever you get your podcasts. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code, a lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant, AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash code IBM. Let's create. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show for those interested in the big and small moments of history. I'm Gabe Lussier, and in this episode, we're exploring the origins of LEGO, a childhood institution built on a humble foundation of tiny plastic bricks. The day was January 28th, 1958. At precisely 1.58 p.m., The Lego group filed the patent application for a new kind of building system that would forever change the way the children played. The language of the patent refers to the product as, quote, a system in which two or several interlocking plastic building elements can be put together in a great number of mutually different positions. Or, to put it more simply, it was the patent for the Lego brick, as we know it today. The family business that would eventually become The Lego Group was actually established under a different name way back in August of 1932. Located in the rural village of Billund, Denmark, the business was started by a master carpenter and woodworker named Ole Kirk Christiansen. In those early years, Ole made a living selling things like step ladders, stools, and ironing boards. But business was slow, thanks largely to the Great Depression brought on by America's stock market crash just a few years earlier. Few people had the money to buy expensive, handmade furniture, and Ole struggled to turn a profit with his woodwork. The Depression motivated him to seek out new product ideas which is what ultimately led him into the toy business. He reasoned that, despite the financial strains of the era, people were still willing to indulge their children with an occasional gift, provided, of course, that the price was low enough. This spurred Ole to whip up his own batch of brightly colored wooden cars and animals using the wood scraps in his workshop. He quickly became convinced that toys were the future of his company. All he needed was a catchier name, something a bit more fun than the name he'd been using, which was the Billund machine joinery and carpentry business. Thankfully, Ole came up with something much more evocative. By truncating the Danish expression legot, which means play well, he landed on the word lego. It's worth noting that the word lego also means I put together in Latin but that was actually a happy accident, because Olay only found out about the Latin meaning years later. In any case, the renaming effort paid off for the company, which quickly grew from a six-person operation in 1934 to more than 40 employees by the early 1940s. Much of that growth was due to the national popularity of Olay's adorable line of pull toys. The most popular of these was a hand-painted wooden duck on wheels whose beak opened and closed when pulled along by a string. By now, you may be wondering how the company's signature product changed from wooden ducks to plastic bricks. It was a gradual change that was once again brought on by economic necessity. Denmark had been under German occupation during World War II. And by the time the war finally ended in 1945, many of the materials traditionally used for consumer goods, such as steel, wood, etc., were really tough to come by. And this was a problem all over the globe, really. Ole had felt that pinch from the lack of raw materials, so he decided that the Lego company should take a chance on plastic toys. In 1946, he placed an order with a British company for what ended up being the very first plastic injection molding machine. Ole and his son Godfred spent the next year experimenting with the machine and studying the various sample products that had been included as a way to show what could be made with it. One product in particular caught their eye, a set of self-locking building bricks made by a British company called Kittycraft. The colorful 2x2 and 2x4 bricks had a couple special design features that set them apart from traditional cube-shaped building blocks. Each one was hollow on the bottom and had four raised studs on the top. This design added a little bit of stability to whatever structures were built with the blocks because the studs loosely held each brick in place. By 1949, the Lego company was producing around 200 different plastic and wooden toys. Many of the plastic ones were simply new versions of earlier designs, a plastic plane or train set, for example, instead of a wooden one. Among the repeats was a new but somewhat familiar product called Automatic Binding Bricks. These were really just a copy of the bricks made by Kittycraft, which weren't protected by a patent in Denmark. Unfortunately, the Lego version was actually inferior to the original. The company just wasn't used to making such small parts, and the technology was still fairly new to them. As a result, many of the hollow Lego bricks were prone to cracking or shrinking, and sometimes this was so bad that once the plastic had cooled, the bricks didn't even fit together. As you might expect, the shoddy bricks weren't big sellers. In fact, during the early 1950s, roughly half of all LEGO sales were still from wooden toys, whereas the LEGO binding bricks accounted for only 5-7% of sales. To help turn this around, the Christiansens made a few key changes. First, in 1953, they ditched the austere-sounding name and started calling the product LEGO Mersten, or LEGO Bricks. By this time, Godfred was starting to take on a much larger role in the company, and he became interested in finding a clearer focus for the company, rather than spreading their resources across hundreds of different products. Eventually, he decided that the adaptability, wide appeal, and ease of production made Lego bricks the ideal choice. Still, the bricks weren't a hot seller yet, so there was obviously room for improvement. Godfred took it upon himself to tinker with the brick's design, and in early 1958, he hit upon a winning solution. Godfred, now the managing director of the company, had been recently fielding complaints from his customers in Germany about the fact that models built with Lego's hollow building bricks were lacking in stability, which made them less fun to play with. On January 23rd, he discussed the problem at length with others at the company, And during the meeting, he began sketching different ideas for a new brick design. Godfred's breakthrough was to add three tubes to the otherwise hollow interior of the bricks so that the studs on top had something to connect to. This new interlocking system allowed the bricks to snap together, hold tight, and yet still separate easily when pulled apart, a feature which the company later dubbed clutch power. Godfred asked Ove Nielsen, the head of the Lego molding shop, to create a new brick sample by cutting up and gluing together existing elements. The new three-tubes design was then sent to the patents office by Express Courier. Just a few days later, on January 28, 1958, at exactly 1.58pm, the Lego group filed the application for a patent for its new type of building system, the interlocking bricks that we know and love today. Unfortunately, Godfred's father, Ole, didn't get to see how much of a game-changer his son's design would be. He passed away just two months later, on March 11, 1958. That was the end of an era for the company in multiple ways. Two years later, in 1960, a fire broke out in the Lego warehouse and the company lost their entire inventory of wooden toys. With the newfound success of Lego bricks, the company decided to close the book on wooden toys and bet the future on plastic. Godfred took over after Ole's passing, and thanks to his new brick design, his father's legacy was in good hands. He had helped the company find a core product with that new style of bricks, and the design was such a sound one that it stayed exactly the same for over 60 years now. This connected system of play, as the company calls it, was revolutionary at the time, and it's still a driving force behind the imaginative appeal of LEGO products, not to mention their retail success. The little plastic pieces afford endless opportunities for creative play, and that flexibility has captured the imaginations of kids and adults alike for well over a half a century and counting. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. You can learn even more about history by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any suggestions for what kind of historical topics you'd like to see covered on the show, you can send us a letter at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks as always to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top ten for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And, hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world... Be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com/slash summer. What are you looking for in a new smart TV? 4K picture quality, high quality and immersive sound? A sleek design? WORK.